Welcome to Series 2 of The Big Beatles Sort Out. In the first series, I, author and musician Gary Abbott, ranked all the Beatles' core catalogue releases with the help of my Beatles expert brother Paul. In Series 2 we have already looked at the anthology, the songs they gave away and live at the BBC. So join us now as we sort out The Beatles Movies. Welcome to episode 58 and welcome to Paul Aboard Abbott. Ah, hello everyone. <clears throat> There's an early coffin for you there to uh, validate my claims of illness. Ah, yes. So the um, eagle-eared listeners will have noticed we were not um, here last week. Uh, yeah, if you were sat there listening to your I- yeah. iPod. iPod? We weren't on an iPod 20 years ago. Not 20 I don't years ago. Know. Ten years ago, we weren't we weren't on it, were we? Um, no. Due to Paul's having the COVIDs, um, and I have now also got the COVIDs. Not in any way related because we're in different counties, but um, you're just coming out of it. I'm just starting on it, so that's a lot of fun. COVID all round. Yeah, but that's we, the current government policy. So, we, so we're we're landing in the sweet spot between one finishing and one starting, and trying to get this magical mystery tour episode out for you. So hopefully we'll be okay. But um, well, I mean, if my COVID-addled brain sends me off into strange places, it probably suit the material we're dealing with. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's um, a non-linear approach will work fine, I think. Here, um, don't forget you can follow us at big underscore sort on Twitter and Instagram, or email us at bigbeetlesortout at gmail dot com, and also like and share our posts and tell everyone about it. Now, Paul. We, yes. I always ask you what's coming out, and for a long time you've been saying about your album, it is now out. It is out, yes. It's been uh, out for a couple of weeks by your, the time of this. Shake Your Faith by Good Grief, and you can get that on bandcamp.com. Yes. Uh, or bandcamp, just get it at bandcamp. They get it in several places, yeah. you know. And I, can, I think if there's any left in the UK, they have sold quite quickly. Oh, okay. Well, get in there. Very gratifying. You can always get your digital download, can't you, if you yes. don't want to. But I do recommend if you can get it on vinyl, because it's a very good record i've thoroughly enjoyed it thank you um, and um it's definitely got the feel of a classic to me it kind of has a, it builds its sequence very well and i really like the um the general side b especially i think really kind of brings it in and they're very it's all, it's all good but it's just got that f- i always find really good classic albums just the second side just completely like um galvanizes it all and makes you go oh right to the end very good Oh, well, thank you. That was very kind of you to say. We so did try very hard to do well. So is there anything else to add to that? I thought I'd do it for you this time. <laughs> no, no, nothing really. Except to say, uh, on the subject of Beatles things, when we got our copies of the uh, record, which was all made and done in America by our American label, and it was sent over to our UK label, uh, we finally got our copies, and our my friend Mike, who runs the American label, sent me a present. Okay. It's it? a 12-inch record called Beetle Views okay. from the 1966 American tour. And it's a it's a repress because it's on a coloured vinyl. All right. uh, I believe it's a repress from the 80s of a, of a record from 1966. Mm. And it says, Ring Around the Pops, the world's only Braille publication devoted to pop music and its artists, presents a limited edition LP of exciting, informative, person-to-person interviews of the 1966 American Beatle tour. Right. Which is really interesting. So essentially, there's a, a journalist, uh, a British journalist based in America. So he's got this very sort of mid-Atlantic, sounds a bit like uh, Alan Wicker or something like that, or Lloyd Grossman. Yeah. 
and uh, lots of different bits of him traveling with the Beatles and snippets of interviews with mm. them from the 1966 American tour. So essentially the last bit of touring they do before they stop. And it's just a fascinating little collection of interviews. It's just such a strange thing to have that this was given out to, you know, these people on this bra- who bought this Braille public, like pop music publication, mm. Ring Around the Pops. And it's fantastic. Mm. It's, yeah, because it's not interviews I'd heard before. Yeah. And they don't shy away from talking about the sort of um, bigger than Jesus controversy stuff. Mm-hmm. They play some sort of examples of how mad some of the shows were and... And it's, it's also very complimentary about the Beatles. He basically keeps saying such lovely men. Mm. Um, it's, it was such a lovely present to get from from Mike. Beatle views from 1966 American tour. Right. From so, Ring Around the Pops out of um, Louisville, Kentucky. So who's, who are the interviewees? Sorry, just... just... Well, the, in, the interviewer is just a, it's, it's a journalist, you wouldn't yeah. know. Um, and then it's just little snippets of things that he's recorded over the course of the tour. And okay. And other bits and pieces as well. With the Beatles? With the Beatles, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, sorry. For a second I thought you were used to saying you'd canvassed people around the whole thing, but they're, them themselves... No, no, actual, actual real Beatles. Real Beatles. So is it, is, it, um, is it kind of rare, like, an audio? Well, if it was an original, it would be, I think. But it's, well, this is a, some, for some reason, someone decided to do a, a limited edition a coloured vinyl repress in the early 80s, apparently. Mm, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's... Yeah, narration and interviews by fellow traveller, friend and countryman. John clarifies statement on religion and discusses his first starring film role in How I Won the War. Mm. Paul discusses songwriting, his new home and live concerts. Mm. That's quite good. Paul's going, I haven't got a swimming pool because I live in London. So if I want to swim, I just go around to one of the others. Mm. Uh, George reveals his interest in the sitar and early days in Hamburg. Ringo tells about his home life. And an American disc jockey, disc jockey even, takes you to Liverpool and the famous cavern. Oh, that's a very interesting it's, artifact. It's, it's, I was an unexpected present, but, um, mm. you know, me. We might Beatles. Maybe do a, a, a bonus on it one day or something. Yes, so it's very, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, that's what a nice and thoughtful present. It was. It was. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, I haven't got anything new. Um, I should landing around the time of this episode, but as always, I am releasing a song. A month this year, so if you find me on the kind of Spotify and um, equivalents everywhere else, YouTube, my name, Gary Abbott, music, you should find something. Um, and please have a listen. I started playing, um, I played live for the first time this week for seven or eight years. So I'm really looking to, to keep on with that. So get yeah, have a listen and share it and whatnot. That'd be great. So, Paul, before we get on the bus and go mad, um, let's do an On This Beatles Day. Okay, then. Which should be the 4th of April. Yes, it's the 4th of April, 1967. Okay, and it's, in a way, quite an unspectacular day, but I've chosen this for a reason. Okay. Because essentially it's the day where uh, Paul Paul McCartney has flown with Mal Evans to San Francisco. And they're doing it in advance of going to meet up with Jane Asher, who is touring in a play and is about to turn 21. Okay. Right. The next day. So this Beatles day is mainly travel and then a bit of sightseeing in San Francisco. Yeah. 
nothing more complicated than that, really. They they pop to the Fillmore Theatre uh, where Jefferson Airplane are rehearsing, and they apparently that's where Paul plays them his acetate of Sergeant Pepper's, mm-hmm. which at this point is still being mixed. You know, so that's good for Jefferson Airplane mm. on that time. But other than that, fourth of April, nineteen sixty-seven, Paul goes to San Francisco essentially. Okay. But a couple of days later, mm-hmm. he's headed off to Denver to meet up with, with Jane Asher and the touring company for celebrate the 21st and all that. Mm. It's on the 7th, apparently the 7th, if you're to believe the various websites, that is when Paul McCartney gets an idea for a Beatles television special. And um, that is the idea that will become Magical Mystery Tour. Uh, it all ties in. Yes. So... Uh, apparently on the 11th of April was the day he drew the famous circle, circle divided into segments Yeah, where he sketched out the idea. But yeah, this is the trip where his sort of killing time on planes and thinking about travelling and wondering what they're going to do after Pepper. Yeah. He comes up with, with these ideas. Yeah. A very, very loose idea, but an idea nonetheless. Yeah. I oh. mean... We'll get into it, but I mean, yeah. the, the, the idea of him devising the circle, he's basically gone, oh, well, if we do an hour, yeah, how am I going to plan that out? I'll draw a circle like a clock and, and slice it up. It makes, yeah. That's actually quite a good idea it does make sense. when you think of it as like yeah. an hour of stuff to do. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily what you need if you're about to embark on actual production. No. <laughs> but but we'll um, get into that. It's, yeah, it's, it's the initial brain um, dump, for want of, want of a better word. Um, yeah. Okay, well, thanks for that. That's a good start. And thematically linked to what we're about to talk about, which is, of course, Magical Mystery Tour, the third of the films in the five films we're looking at. Um, and to remind the listeners, um, the little mini chart scoring for this um, run of episodes, which we're going to be looking at the plot, we're going to be looking at the um, dialogue or script, we're going to be looking at the production. Uh, meaning cinematography, locations, that kind of thing. We're going to look at the performances of the people in the film, um, not the musical performances as such, although that's kind of part of it, the um, acting, as it were. And then we're going to take a, um average of the songs that appear in the film from series one of this and what I rated them to give that a, a kind of another category. And then we get the overall average of them and that's how we figure out which ones are the best. Oh dear. Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> yes. So that's, a, that's oh. simple as all that. So, I mean, it's obviously fine and it'll work perfectly for everything that we look at. So we'll start off then and we are looking at Magical Mystery Tour. Would there be any trailers of this knocking around, Paul? They, well, there's a trailer for it, I think, out there from when it went into cinemas in America in the 70s. Okay, well, let's um, have a little listen. Magical Mystery Tour with Paul, George, John, and Rainbow in their own film. There should have been a trailer there if everything worked in the world of technology. So, yeah, because it wouldn't have had them in the UK because it was a TV special. But why don't you give us a bit of background, Paul, um, so that we can get going on this. Okay, I'll give you factual background about it if you fact ground. try and fact ground yeah. if you will take on the mantle of describing the story <laughs> yeah okay that's fine okay right well i'll do me facts first okay so 
It's a TV film. This is the Beatles producing a TV film. They've devised yeah. it. They've directed it. All that stuff. And we'll get into these little bits and pieces as we go along. But essentially, it turns up as a what you'd call a Christmas special now. On BBC One, which is the main channel in the UK, on the 26th of December, 1967. Yeah. Famously shown in black and white. Yes, yes. Which... There's been a lot of weight put on this about, oh, if it had shown it in colour, it would have been brilliant. Well, mm-hmm. yes, the, a new colour service had started in the UK about this time, which was mainly BBC Two, yeah. where it gets shown a little in a, a couple of weeks after this. But to be honest, not everyone had colour sets. It wasn't no. like they suddenly started going, everything's broadcasting colour now, it'll be brilliant and trippy and psychedelic. And people would still be having a black and white television. Yeah. Yeah, not like everyone went, right, throw the TV out the window, mother. Let's go and buy another one. Yeah. So regardless of how they broadcast it, most people would be receiving it in black and white anyway. Yeah. And the 26th of December is what is known in the UK as Boxing Day. Mm-hmm. It's, it's easy to forget that that's not a universal term. Oh, right. Okay. It's, that's just a UK thing. and No it, one really knows why. It's the day where you just basically have your Christmas hangover and... Just don't do whether it. you've whether you've drunk anything or not, it's that sort of hangover from the day yeah. before, the experience of having a strange day where you might be doing something yeah, a bit post different. Post Christmas come down, you get to play with your toys and Boxing Day a bit more, don't you? Yeah, because yeah. there's less things interrupting it, like dinners and everyone having to. Yeah, eat so again. you're eating your leftovers, so there's less yeah. cooking time and things like that, and uh, and you have like the uh, Boxing Day football matches and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, akin to, I think, sort of the day after Thanksgiving is the nearest American equivalent, I believe. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what the day after Christmas is like in America, but I think it's the day after but, Thanksgiving is more akin to our Boxing Day. Yeah, but uh, the the general gist being that families will probably still all be together. Yes. And there'll still be the Boxing Day thing on telly, like a movie or special. So it, it's quite a big captive audience, I imagine. Yeah, and they like to sit down and watch family specials with light entertainment stars and variety shows. Yeah. And on the 26th of December, 1967, <laughs> they are treated to Magical Mystery Tour. In black and white, on whatever small kind of tube telly they would have had at the time. Yeah, so if I give you the sort of lineup of what was going on on that day, in the evening, or if you were watching BBC One, you'd have watched perhaps the... Uh, watch Brigadoon at 6.15 on BBC One, followed by Frost Over Christmas, David Frost with Ronnie Barker and Julie Felix, uh, then a Petula Clark show at 10 past 8, and at 8.35, 20.35, The Beatles Magical Mystery Tour, coach trip by The Beatles around the West Country. Sounds so idyllic and kind of quaint. Yeah, well, nowadays, if you read that, it would actually be the description of someone going around yeah. the West Country, look, just looking at things. Yeah, a celebrity gets paid to go on a holiday and you watch. Yes. Which is yes, most that's TV that's... now. Yeah, That's it. Uh, 9.25, following that, you would be able to watch the news and weather, and then uh, the film The Square Peg hmm. from 1958 was on. If you were watching ITV, the alternative alternative commercial channel, you might have watched at 6.35, Do Not Adjust Your Set with Denise Coffey, who very suddenly passed away this past week, hmm. uh, Eric Idle and the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. Wow, well, everywhere. Yeah, and then at 7 o'clock you had the Benny Hill Show, then Waltz of the Toreadors, a British film starring Peter Sellers, was on whilst Magical Mystery Tour was on on BBC One. Right, okay. So I've never even heard of that, uh, that Peter Sellers film, but... Um, 
Mm, they basically stuck a film on, probably thinking, oh, the Beatles are on BBC One, we're not going to get yeah. much of an audience. And they probably didn't, because no one knew what they were about to watch, did they? <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. But it does get a colour repeat. It gets colour repeat on BBC Two on the 5th of January 1968. Mm. The situation is still the same. People still have black and white TVs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a good point, actually. And also, as much as it, they put the emphasis on this being black and white being one of the reasons it might not have been as well received as they'd hoped it's doesn't they did didn't have to surely they could have probably done a bit more sorting that out with the bbc beforehand and being a bit more like they probably from the way it's described how he went and met with him paul mccartney went and met with the controller yeah. It sounds like they had one little meeting and that was the last they spoke to him till it went on. <laughs> you know, no one was kind of in touch, kind of like, just checking with you. It was just, so yeah, anyway. Yeah, well, it cost about £30,000 for them to make and the BBC only paid £9,000 for the rights to show it a couple of times. Right. They assumed then that they'd make money selling it to America, but America basically didn't buy it before Christmas and then went, after Christmas went, oh, no. Yeah, we're fine, thanks. Yeah. No. No, thank you, Beatles. But you did get an American release, you say, eventually. Yes, in cinemas in 1974 as like a late night weird uh, movie. Okay, as a strange, trippy kind of like alter. Yeah. yeah. A better slot for it, probably. Yeah. yeah. In terms of how targeting the audience for it that you'd, you'd want. Okay. Well, so we get into it then and see what it is about it. That well, you that... have to, like, do you describe the story? Give us the overall story, well, Gary, in a nutshell. Well, luckily, the first. Category is plot, so I've taken it up on myself in my notes to do just that Ooh. as a way into the plot category. So let's talk about the plot and let's see if I can summarise the plot. And by plot, I mean not just things that happen. I mean the the story, the shape of the the story, and and, and where it's going and whatnot. So here we go. So Ringo and his auntie, who don't get along, join the magical mystery tour being a bus tour holiday um, thing where you go around and look at the sites, stop off at locations and drink and sing songs and whatnot. Uh, there are also some wizards. The end. <laughs> that's, that's it, isn't it? I don't, have I yes. missed, did I miss anything? Yes, it, I mean, apart from the social and cultural context of what, uh, of what the boat, bus yeah. tours mean to in the UK, uh, aside from that, no, you have, uh, that wouldn't factor into plot. You've summarized it neatly. Yeah. The, that's, that's this, the story. If, if, if one there was is, is, would be that, um, there's no, there's a beginning. When a man buys a ticket for a magical mystery tour, he knows what to expect. We guarantee him the trip of a lifetime. And that's just what he gets. The Incredible Magic Mystery Tour. There is, yes. There's not really story-wise a middle. It's kind of a middle. But nothing goes, there's nothing anywhere that you can hang your hat off. So some things happen, but they're not really, they're not consequential or a consequence of anything that's happened before them. So nothing, there's not really a middle or an end. Nothing that happens has any effect on anything else happening. Exactly. So Other than them getting on the bus. Yes. Which means a bus can go. Yes. That's, that's the only bit of storytelling motion So, like, the unlike, entire thing. Unlike The Hard Day's Night, which we said also didn't have a plot, but it, it had a, a reason. 
because the plot was things happening in yeah and it had jeopardy and it had yeah. it had a ticking clock uh, you know all that sort it of stuff it had logical order to what was going on and yeah so this just doesn't have that so i, I mean let me, i'll try and dive into it a bit more plot wise they start with some kind of promise of reconciliation perhaps because we start with um with Ringo and his auntie and they don't get on and there's a voiceover telling us that we think oh this is going to be about them perhaps kind of the magic kind of like sorting them out. Richard B. Starkey and his aunt Jessica are always arguing about one thing or another. Oh, I'm going. Oh, go! Go on. And what with today being Sunday and the weather looking up, you'd think they'd have given it a rest. For goodness sake, will you stop that sitting down? All right, all right, what's your hurry? But no, on and on they go. Nope, not going to happen. There's a hint of a love story. My dear lady, doesn't intuition tell you what I feel? Don't interrupt. You bring out my... I... love you! But that's all in the mind and just kind of appears as a kind of a one-off thing that it's happens. It's all in the mind. The, the wizards hint at a bigger world where the arrival of the mystery tour has astral implications, you know. Beyond the blue horizon, far above the clouds, in a land that no one knows, live four or five magicians who spend their days casting wonderful spells. Come with me now into that secret place where the eyes of man have never set foot. Uh, but none of these things get developed past anything other than an initial idea, plot-wise. So it's kind of, really, it's a jumble of... I'd say sketches, although there's only one or two things you could probably pull out and identify as a sketch it's sketches and scenes that just kind of run out of steam and stop after 55 minutes which from the sound of it they're entirely always expecting it just to stop after 55 minutes because it's an hour-long special they shot 10 hours of film <laughs> but they didn't sh- but they always knew they were only going to be making an hour didn't they so they shot 10 hours yeah. to make an hour it's because the beatles are not filmmakers no. No, and in the past they had brian epstein there to act as a conduit mm. between them the filmmakers so they've been working in a very traditional filmmaking scenario with help and a hard day's night yeah you know that was a system of filmmaking this mm. is them paul mccartney going well if i can make a film on my handheld camera at home which i have been doing yeah why can't we do it as a band okay <laughs> and then hitting the wall of yes all right well who are your cameramen going to be? What type of cameras are you going to do? Have you got your lighting? Have you got your sound? Yeah. Have you even bothered to use a clapperboard for any of this? Yeah. No. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Who's doing your costumes? Who's doing your makeup? Who's doing yeah. continuity? Who's doing yeah. script editing? Who's doing your catering services and your accommodation and your, you know. But because the Beatles had reached a point where things would happen for them if they wanted to happen, if they wanted them to happen, they didn't really know how. No. You know, I'm not suggesting that they're super pampered because by the sort of standards of bands from a few years after this, they were still very self-sufficient and down to earth. Yeah. But the problem was they had Brian until the end of August when he died. And I think I mentioned this when we were talking about the music from it. Mm. This is, they're in mourning. This is a yeah. group in mourning, whether they have tried, whether they've noticed that or not. Yeah. They are. They're grieving. They're in mourning. They're yeah. lost. They don't. So what they've done is, rather than look for a direction, they've managed to do something that suggests direction, i.e., a trip. Yeah. 
but they're not actually pointed it anywhere. Yeah, it's just true, actually. It's a really interesting way of putting it. They have managed to make the impression of direction quite literally. But, but it is just that, isn't it? It's just an impression. It's not a... Uh, there's no subs- yeah. There's no real substance to it. It's it's just do something. It's the equivalent of getting a haircut after a bad breakup, isn't it? It's but you know, obviously much more serious. It's it's how the Beatles cope with bereavement in this case of someone very close to them in who would have helped them. Yeah, um, I don't know if anyone would have said to them, "Do you know what? He's he's basically he's been." dead for two weeks don't go and make a film now yeah i mean he'd been involved in the planning for this because like i say this idea had come out in april they knew this was coming oh, right. up okay and so he'd been involved in some of the planning for it but they should have cut their losses yeah. or at least paused yeah because i think the original well do you know what when we get into production i'll tell you a bit yeah. more about yeah, that yeah, stuff, yeah. But, let's, let's try but, and pace yeah. it out over the the various areas so i mean back to plot really it's bereft of plot let's face it i mean yeah not speaking to the value of individual elements, which have some value in different quantities, the plot is sorely lacking. We have a premise, we don't have a story, we have a thread to follow, but ultimately no jumper. Um, <laughs> that we can, And yet McCartney is wearing some wonderful knitwear throughout. So. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, so we, we, I can list the things that happen, um, not including the, the, the music videos that appear in it, which kind of just appear in the film for no particular link to the plot they're just good things to be in there but things that happen is things like they stop at an army camp and are shouted at by a sergeant major they do some outdoor activities which turns into a marathon which turns into a race which Ringo wins using the bus Ringo's arm dreams about falling in love with this, this with the strange passenger blood, uh, bust blood vessel wizards happen they all pile into a tent which turns out to be a cinema where they watch Blue Jay Way they go to a strip club Ringo's aunt dreams about spaghetti and it ends, you know, those are the things that happen, that happen. Yeah. Um, with music videos interspersed. Um, so, I mean, I'd like to say that the wacky variety of ideas and skits combine to create an overall feeling of a cohesive story of some kind. And sometimes even the lack of a story itself can be the story in a weird roundabout way, but that's just not what's happening with this. It's, I'm afraid by any reasonable measure of plot um, or story, it's just lacking one but has set itself out as if it should have one, which is the problem. If they'd not started that way, it wouldn't have been, it would have been yeah, more avant-garde. A lot of the, a lot of the justification for this that's come in years since has been, well, consider the avant-garde influences of it. Yeah. It's like, well, that's fine, except it's not. It's going out as a special on Boxing yeah. Day. And you start off with a, with a, here's Ringo buying his ticket for the thing with his aunt. Da, 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 da. Oh, let's just, let's not bother with that bit anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's a comedy setup with no joke. Yeah. Um, I'm not going oh, to. I hate being horrible to the Beatles. I know, but this is this is the one time where you can you can in a way, you can just judge it on what came out of it. Um, and there are good bits. I'm not going to say that, but one of them is not the plot. But I'm I'm going to give it forty for plot. Um, <laughs> That's generous. I, it's generous because it's just why not? It's it's definitely yeah, going to so yeah. just move on. Yeah. So let's talk about the production then. Um, you know, being the. Um, the cinematography. So there was something you were going to say, Paul. So do you want to do you want to give us some snippets of wisdom before I launch in? Well, the main one is that basically when they were planning this, uh, it all comes off this pile of notes and paper. There's some sort of very loose script for some bits of it, but it's mainly just ideas they have. Let's go and do it, John. You yeah. go off and do that. So essentially, it's a McCartney-directed film, although it's 
credited the Beatles. Mm. So they they anticipate that it's going to take a couple of weeks of filming mm-hmm. and a couple of weeks of editing. Yeah. So it does take a couple of weeks of filming to start with. Right. From the 11th of September to the 24th of September. Yeah. But then they have to do some extra filming for pickups because they suddenly go, oh, we haven't filmed the bit where he gets on the coach or they haven't filmed the bit where that happens or this happens. Yeah. So a bunch of dates in October, they have to go back and do more stuff. And another day in November. Right. And it takes 11 weeks to edit. Yes. That's... <laughs> because, yeah. because A, they hadn't slated most of the stuff, so they couldn't get it in sync. Right. Because it's just... They were they just didn't think yeah. about it. So yeah. there's some stuff was slated, but a lot of it was the the film editor was having to just basically work with this material and try and match it all up now and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And also because it was all the Beatles sort of working on it, you'd get Lennon would go in one day, McCartney'd go in another day, and they wouldn't they wouldn't coordinate with each other necessarily. So poor old Roy Benson, who was the film editor, yeah, who they knew from being an assistant editor on the Hard Days Night. He had to just basically deal with them, and what they thought was going to take two weeks took like eleven weeks of, yeah. <laughs> of editing. And yeah, like I say, ten hours to get through as well, ten hours of material. And I will say, this past week, someone put, and I think uh, Chris from I Am the Egg Pod shared the link to someone has managed to find f- four and a half hours of footage. Wow! And put it into essentially filming order. Right. Yeah, so it's not all consistent footage. It's like snippets from here, there, and everywhere yeah. type of thing. But tried to reconstruct us. So somewhere you can actually watch four and a half hours of the production of Magical Mystery Tour. Yeah. Which um, I dipped in and out of and was... I didn't see that. Well, I'll, I wouldn't worry about it. <laughs> the stuff they cut out of this. I can only imagine. Because they do cut out a few scenes, and some of them have been made available like commercially on the Blu-rays and DVDs and things since. Yeah. But I believe the film just languished for so long that the, the original reels of the film are, are, are long since missing. Right. So they had to basically find it from other sources to release it commercially themselves. Mm. It's Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah, just a mess. The original prints are kind of gone, aren't they? And yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've had to use, they've just reproduce from a reproduction, haven't they? And yeah, because they kind of all went, didn't really work, did it? And no one yeah. thought to label anything or stick anything in an archive. So, production then. So, I know the story So the story about the editing thing, that, that shocked me when I saw it in the making of documentary on, on the edition I've got. And it was, um, yeah, it's kind of crazy it took them that long. But it's also kind of interesting that they all stayed involved and didn't just drop it on someone's lap. But then that is such a big part of the process when you're cutting down... 10 hours to one, you know, they, they creatively would have been such a, I mean, editors have a huge amount of control over the, what comes out at the end of it, don't they? And mm-hmm. would no, normally more of a plan to work towards, <laughs> but um, I mean, in compared to the plot, I generally feel more positive about the production in, in compared to the plot, considering that they directed it and kind of organized it and just kind of went off with some cameras and actors in a bus. It's not as bad as it might have been, you know, it could yeah. have been, worse which isn't a great compliment but it is it kind of but let's not get carried away it still isn't always great and there's no one consistent vision that stretches across the film that you could call a style as such but it has some notable moments so i thought we could focus on some of the good so we can be we can get back to a bit of gushing um and i think for the, for the main part that's the music video elements 
Yes, definitely is. And no matter what you think of um, Magical Mystery Tour as a whole, you can't argue that it doesn't contain some pretty out there and cool videos. So straight off, we've got the first what thing of really grabs your attention is Fool on the Hill. Yeah. Which is, this is Paul with his, who is he with? He was doing this. Is Paul in his camera and someone? It's just basically, yeah, him and a couple of folk go off yeah. to France to film. And and he gets them. I can see why McCartney was thinking, oh, this can be done. I can do this. Because in that particular sequence, they get some great shots, some great landscapes. It's, it's photographed really well. It's got yeah. interesting angles. It's a great location. The shots of him doing dancing along the mountainside um, but dancing along the hill with the mountainside of trees behind him is excellent, along with all that kind of spinning um, footage and the kind of epic foot on the rock looking over the precipice kind of stuff and his crazy little dance he does across that that long, wide shot. It's That's really it's iconic and it's really well filmed, isn't it, that bit? Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, which stands out completely to the rest of the film. As, I don't know if he had his different kit for that. I don't know. Or well, just the location was the thing. And they got the light just right because the light was coming down. It was good. Um, and we've got I Am The Warrus, which is another bit of iconic footage. And the best, the bit that really benefits from the RAF type of site that they were on for a lot of the film. Yeah, yeah. The aerodrome. Yeah, because yeah, that strange monolithic concrete structures contrasting with the psychedelic costumes you know serving as kind of you know and those concrete kind of structures serving as plinths for policemen and warruses and all sorts of things they created a cultural classic with that one you know i, I think most people the the imagery the icon iconography of of them um, is that right iconography i don't yes, know yes go for it of of the warrus video is huge isn't it and and it's funny but also despite its weirdness actually it's kind of, by our modern standards, the most straight ahead of the videos. Yeah, they're just playing. Because well, it's the one where they're actually miming playing, yeah. which they're not really doing anywhere else. And I think it's... Um, I mean, it has a, it has cutaways, doesn't it, as well, to them playing strange things in gardens. Is that in well, Warris? No, that's, uh, that's Blue Jay Way. That's in Blue Jay Way, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean... I mean, that's, that's, you could cut everything away from that and it would be worth it for that and fall on the hill. So these things are plus points for production. Um, Blue Jay Way, I, I don't think I'd appreciate it quite as much as until this, this watch through I, I did. It's got this layered art house style film with colour and illustration. I mean, let's also make it clear I'm judging this as a colour viewer watching this. I'm not, not how you'd have watched it then. You know, it's got colour and illustration and lighting and slogans scrawled on. Mal's flesh and yep. darkly lit footage of George playing the floor organ drawn in chalks or something. F- Florgan. Florgan. They create a real mood with that and it's actually much better than I remember. I remember it being pretty much just George pretty static on the floor pretending to play that keyboard. But actually it's got all that cool, they're filming the projection of it with lights and that, that that's really interesting what they do there. I think. I agree. Yeah. So again... When they're allowed to play with music and visuals, great. They, they're in their element there, I think. Flying, I was less impressed with because although I imagine it was trippy to them at the time, the idea of it being in colour and the kind of the, the hue cycling, you know, it is not, even when you do see it in colour, it's not that amazing. It's 
because we're kind of used no, to that it's, now. It's leftover film footage from Doctor Strange. Yeah. Love. Yeah, they it's, didn't even film that, did they? They just nicked it. <laughs> it's, it's some clouds. Um, and he wasn't too. Uh, Kubrick wasn't too happy with it, was he? The, Apparently the, not. Once nicked. he found out that, uh, <laughs> that they'd just you know, raided a cupboard full of film bits. Yeah. And then, of course, and this is just because I'm just going through the music things. The big finish, your mother should know. Which, yeah. just as a side note, there's a lot of four-worded songs in this. Uh, or long-worded songs. Your mother should know. I am the walrus. Fool on the, the hill. Magical mystery tool. Magical mystery tool. Blue Jay Way. At least you know they're all very long song titles. But apart from the length of the sh- the um, song titles, um, you get the your mother should know the big showpiece at the end, which I love. I love the strange warehouse feel to it with the huge staircase and the kind of feel of the kind of almost clockwork dances and weird parades of women soldiers marching across it and the way it kind of just kind of almost rewinds after it gets to a point and just goes backwards and it reminds me of a human version of one of those penguin toys where the penguins just march up the steps and then slide down again okay it's like a wind-up music video it's a bit you know it's a bit like actually it's a bit michelle gondry actually thinking about it he does videos where there's a it's kind of set in motion like a domino thing and you you press go and it plays out. Yeah, I mean, they don't literally rewind it, though. They just end up back on the steps. I know, but they, 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 it's, just, it's just done in a way where they... It's choreographed in that way, is what I mean. As if the song kind of gets to the middle and then just go... And maybe because they've oversimplified it. Right, what do we do now? Let's just walk backwards. But yeah, it just has a feel, because there's just different people just doing their motions all around them. You think about something like the Round the World video, Michelle Gondry. It's just things... Layers of people well, doing yeah, little it's, motions. It's, and... it's a twisted version of a Busby Barkley sort of big musical number from like the the classic musicals, yeah. essentially. But so you I, know those are that's all part of the lineage of music video anyway. Great. So it's, yeah, I like that. So the visual and vision for all the musical pieces works so much better than the rest of the film because that's I think the context their free flowing ideas fit with. I think that's where they're in their element. And that's where the production starts to come into its own because they're playing in a language that they, they're they more accustomed to, aren't they? Yes. But the rest of it just feels like messing about for the most part. Um, and not as well considered. They don't, they don't, they don't know what they're doing with, with dialogue and story and pacing. And Yeah. Well, this is why the, the most effective sequence in it is the sequence with Victor Spinetti, our old friend, Victor Spinetti. Mm playing the army sergeant character who is incomprehensible, so he doesn't actually need a script. Yeah. Why? But it's a character he knows how to do, because it's something he developed from Oh, What a Lovely War. Yeah. And he's taken this character and they've put him into a scene, so you get to look at Victor Spinetti doing a comedy character, and it works. Yeah. That's I mean, one of the kind of sketches that com- comes out. Yeah, it, that, it? Ha- that sort of has some point. You know, Ringo saying, why? Yeah. It's a good moment yeah. against that sort of sort of torrent of, of Sergeant Major nonsense. Yeah. And also, it's just a joy to see Victor Spinetti because you know him from the other films. Yeah. But that's... As well. M- m- most m- we get of him, really, just for that bit, don't we? Yeah. And, I mean, in a good way, what I like about that is when worlds collide and, you know, unsurprisingly, we're both big fans of Monty Python and 
you see people in a field pointing at a cow doing some kind of strange presentation you're, you're immediately taken back to the it's python-esque isn't it absolutely yeah it's, and it's even and it goes backwards again to the the running jumping standing still film yeah that was one of the reasons that you end up uh you know with the the direction of hard days night and help yeah which was all stuff in a field and it's a you know it's a good british comedy tradition yeah. if you're not in the studio you're in a field with some props yeah and it's got that 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 feel to it but um but yeah but the, the production wise when the, the bus scenes for example the strange in that they, they they often only take in one side of the bus so you barely see john and george when they're on the bus. George is very He's absent absent throughout. throughout. You know, although the shots within the bus are kind of have a, a a nice intimacy when the singing and dancing happens and they're doing the kind of the accordion player and they're all having a sing along, it gets a nice feeling it. The airfield and field scenes have a sense of just messing about, really, in something that would be fun. So, like, with that sketch with Victor Spinetti, it, it works to a point. But, yeah, they're like the long sketches from Python, like the um, this, the Twit Olympics and that kind of stuff. You know that they... But, but without the kind of precision of why that's yes. being done. So it's just like... Now everyone run around this airfield that we've got for however long we've got it for because we've got to do something. Why don't we all just jump on bikes? You, you do some sit-ups. You, you dress. You lot dress up as cheating vicars. Yeah, and for some reason that's never referred to, we just have to. Yeah. Go. Why are those vicars angry that they didn't win the race? Yeah, and all shaky fists, but do it for just slightly too long. Yeah. <laughs> Everything goes on a slightly bit longer than it, it would be. It could be in weird if it, it would be more fun if it was just like is that a big group of angry vicars but they got to, oh, and it'd be more surreal but it's not because it's it's played as if there's going to be some reason the, I mean for me the tent gag is a bit meh because they don't cut it well enough so you just see people going through one end of the tent and quite evidently about to walk out the other side of the tent because they haven't yeah. got the angles tight enough and with three I mean, months of editing you would have thought they must just not have got that right shot because they still don't end up so it doesn't work so much Although you know what they mean, you know what they mean, but you know what they mean in the kind of way that you, you'd kind of do it if you were doing a student film and people go, oh, I see what they were trying to do there, but obviously they couldn't. So, um, the dream restaurant scene is well regarded, isn't it? Generally for its surrealness. Yeah, so that's based on John's dream, literally yeah. on a dream where he's with the spaghetti and all that stuff. I like, I like that one for the for its weirdness because it is very weird, and plus the yeah. overdubbed nature of all the sound on it makes it very. Yeah. jarringly sort of you know you don't feel like things are fitting together quite right in a in a sort of alarming creative way this time i mean it <laughs> I, I, I can't breathe anymore it's too much it's <laughs> good <laughs> Yeah. It also has that sequence with George Clayden hanging in a in a dangling thing, looking like something out of Time Bandits. Yeah. So if anyone's seen Time Bandits where you have all the various characters dangling in a cage in a void. Yeah. Well it's happening here in Magical Mystery Tour. 
Yeah, and people are just like randomly walking over tables whilst the scene plays out in various and states of interest. are nude yeah. or semi-nude. And that has that same feel to the uh, Mother Should Know video in that there's just some kind of slight cho- surreal cho- choreography I quite like about that. I like the way that the the um, the soldier women just walk across the whole thing for no particular reason. I kind of like that weird, like, why don't we just have a line of people just walking over the tables as if that's normal in the background and not... I think that's the, 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 more of that would have been good. And then they all go up onto that kind of mezzanine level above it all and there's strange conversations happening. And the cow from the fields. Yeah. There. It, that, that That's kind of, um, you know, that, that gives it some... If there'd been a bit more of that, I mean, I've not even made any notes on the production about the kind of the wizard scenes. Oh, I hate those wizard scenes. <laughs> those them. should have been the good bits. That's where you should have had your Beatles moments. Yeah, well, that's it, yeah. And they, so they shoot these wizard scenes and insert them and they don't have any point to them. No. Um, they try and force a gag with Mal Evans in the second of them. Any news of the bus? The bus. It's 10 miles north on the Dewsbury Road. And they're having a lovely time. They're having a lovely time! They're having a lovely time! Could you tell me what's next on the agenda? A song. Not you. Them! They're doing strange and irritating voices. Yeah, well, they're doing kind of camp hairdresser voices, let's be honest. Yeah. You know. And then it's, oh, they're 10 miles north on the Dewsbury Road. It's like, well, they're not in Dewsbury. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's nowhere near Dewsbury. It, um, it annoys me because they have some promise of there being something like, of them meeting them or something. Or being, yeah, like, some, it's supposed to be some payoff. You start to think like, oh. Okay. Just Ringo screeching, where's the bus? Yeah. And because of my throat, I can't actually do that impression, but I'm glad yeah. I didn't because it's irritating. But yes, but, but so visually there's nothing, it doesn't really add in much. But um, so, I mean, all in all, it's not a bad experimental film visually for four guys who didn't know what they were doing when it comes to the music scenes, but it it has something unmistakably amateur about it overall too. But I like it. I like, I'm always fond of ambition and especially... Not necessarily blind ambition, but you know, they still did it. They still, you know, they still did do it. They could have just talked about it. They could, and and what they did has they did manage to create some. I can't even the Beatles. The Beatles, even when they're doing something they're not very good at, without the right people around them, still managed to pull out of it. Those fool on the hill, and you know, I'm the walrus kind of moments. Things that are still really, really timeless and. Like classic, aren't they? So, so I'm okay. going to give it sixty for production, um, just to give it a bit of a boost in places where it's, it's to make up for other places. Maybe um, there's nothing really else for production because there's no real person to point to, is there? There's no real overall visual person. We know it's just them doing whatever they want. So, have you got anything else to add to production? No. Okay. Oh blimey! Nah. Get angered. So performances then. Um, let's go through the players, starting with the boys, and I'll talk a bit about them, and you can tell me about some of these actors as well. Start okay. with the boys. Ringo. Ringo playing Richard B. Starkey. He gets the most to do, which yeah. is still very. But it's all improv, and it's it, it, it works. Well, they've 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 clearly salvaged the two funny bits. Yeah, the problem. That he, <laughs> no, don't knit for me. 
yeah, it, the, the, he has the best stab out of the whole cast. Uh, well, out of the whole out of all the guys, uh, acting something coherent by trying to produce this snarky relationship with his grieving aunt. Strange in the first place, and he does it reasonably well, but suffers from the lack of the point of it really, and actually him acting a bit too well. In that he really does come over as nasty and dismissive of him most of the time. Yes, yeah. Rather than just a comedy rivalry. Merry Christmas, here's the Beatles. Now shut up! Shut up, Jimmy! I've had enough of it! I can't stand it anymore! I'm getting off! Off! Don't get historical! Yeah, he's, he's a man being borderline domestic abusive to his, to his grieving older aunt. You know, he's, it's just slightly nasty. And because there's no redemption to that, it's just left hanging in the air. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he gets stuck in for sure. He's trying to act, he's trying to create something, but he's like anyone who's not been given any context. So yeah, he does his fun turn as a wizard, as you just said, um, going for a, yeah. a more silly voice rather than, um, his is more of a silly voice rather than um, a bitchy male a hairdresser type voice. of yeah, yeah. Um, stereotype. So there's Ringo. Ringo does a bit of acting. It's only briefly at the beginning, and then he's like everyone else. He's just kind of randomly running about. Paul, strangely, is the main force behind this. Paul seems... I mean, is it just me, or is Paul so stoned throughout this that his face has actually changed shape? <laughs> his face has changed yeah. shape. Because he has... I mean, they were all very stoned. I know, but he he got, like, this wide-eyed little grin face going on all the way through most scenes at Look, work. he does his very best acting. When he emerges from the tent into the cinema to watch Blue Jay Way, <laughs> he does that thing that you do in like year four of like, you're in the story of the sower and you have to look around amazed that your okay. seed has grown. <gasps> and then look Put at your each arms other. out and you look around. Yeah. <gasps> oh. And you all look at each other and you go, look at this, look what we found. Yeah. <laughs> he does, that's his best acting. He does, he, he cuts the figure of an army major or whatever quite convincingly, but he literally well, he doesn't. He sits behind to, a desk. He just gets to sit there, doesn't he? And he gives his campy wizard a go. Yeah, I, you could, you red, could with his red nose. You could say that his fool on the hill turn is acting stuff. It's definitely performance. It is, yeah, but it's. And he has he he's, he he feels natural. Doesn't feel awkward or so you know. But he's more looks like again like he's just so stoned that he's just he's just stoned and posing in front posing in front of um, great landscapes. You know, he's just a stone man. It's somewhere beautiful being filmed. No, no, you were, you were, I'm myself, I'm 30. But I look a little younger due to a fair old sweater. Which uh, excuse me, sir. John, we, we just don't see much of John and George at all. John mainly spends his time doing his northern accent that he likes to do. Yeah. His non-Liverpool northern accent. Yeah. He has no business like show business. Yeah. Has like no business, I know. Or he's doing his... Yeah, it's been a lady. Yeah, spaghetti right. voice. In his, in his, yeah, he gets, or he's doing his terrible wizard voice. Yeah. I mean, as I said, his side of the bus doesn't get filmed as much. There's a sweet scene of him playing with a little girl. Jolly, jolly, jolly. Whoops, jolly, whoops, jolly, 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 jolly. Can you do that one? Two, yes. 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 I've got a present for you. Do you know what it is? Down. Have a guess. Down. Go on, have a guess. Down. Have a guess. Down. Have a guess. No. It, it's a sweet scene, but it seems more candid rather than acted, doesn't it? He's a, it does, yeah. 
He's just, it's just like they've captured that moment. And I imagine that's exactly what happened. Yep. He's good at the way, as the waiter in the dream scene, but he only really needs to grin and shovel. Yeah. <laughs> there's not really that much to do. So there's not much to comment on. He looks like he's having fun when he's in shot. And he, he does his best to camp it up in his in, in his wizard scene. I mean, he also does him and George do a bit of elbow nudging in the in the strip a bit. But yeah, it's um, he just doesn't have any much. And George, he, does he? I was going to say, does he even say something in this? But I think he does say something. He says something when John's as doing a, the balloon for yeah for Nicola and as a wizard. Um, yeah, he doesn't say much as the wizard. He's barely in it, George. His commitment to this is, I'm going to wear a large suit jacket. Yeah, I'm going to look like um, someone from Only Fools and Horses 20 years later. No, <laughs> or 15 years later. He's got a big shoulder padded type of... He looks like a geezer, doesn't he? He does look like a bit of a geezer. For some reason. and But at least he gets to do what he likes doing, which is watch the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. Yes. So... Which... Um, we will also talk about in performances, um, I think, because, yeah, that's the best place. Um, well, let's talk about that now, then, because I, I haven't got a special part for that, really. It's, it's Well, very the Bonzos strange. are in it, and they're the best bit. <laughs> well, yeah, so it's very strange for me. It was very strange for me when we I first watched this many years ago. I'm not as big a Bonzo dog um, fan as you are, not because I don't like them, just because I'm not as a big a fan. I'm not as, I haven't got this stuff. Um, and I just, you just like, well, what's, who's, why, why is this? What's this by the Beatles? Why is there music in the Beatles film that isn't the Beatles? And they are, why is this man's teeth getting big? Um, yeah. And why is there a stripper? Uh, so, I mean. Family entertainment for Boxing Day, stripper. Stripper. Really strange. And there's not really a point to it all in the end, is there? No. And... I mean, it's just the idea that on a mystery tour that might happen. They might farm the dads off to a little... Yeah, you know, I get that. Little, you know. I mean, having been to flipping um, Benidorm holidays once upon a time with with an ex and her family, where you get, like, these bawdy women, people come out and do all sorts of bawdy shows. Well, don't, don't, yeah. don't, don't. I won't go into it. But yes, I get that, that side of it. And you the know. house band is the Bonzos, and the Bonzos are actually an art school band who do that sort of weird performance yeah. anyway. And you've got Viv Stanchel giving it his all, because yeah. Viv is amazing. Playing and one of the things that Viv would sometimes do is putting ludicrous comedy fake teeth. Which is what he does. Uh, which just, is what he does, does in this, yeah. He's strange, but he's he's a, cuts a strange figure if you're not used yeah, to well, him. Well, he was a strange figure. <laughs> and so that, he gets like, it's, it's a strangely scary, maniacal type of, looking his eye when he's got those teeth in and and they're playing is it Death Cab for Cutie they're playing? Death Cab for Cutie, yeah. She left her east side drum so drab. She went out on the town. No one will make her love from And it's a great bit of music, obviously. You don't see as much of Neil Innes as you'd like. No, no. Um, but it's just, there's, there's just no real point to that scene. But um, but anyway, they do a good performance of the, one of their songs, which is nice to see. It's just strange if you don't know much about them or why that's happening <laughs> in, mm-hmm. in a Beatles film and why in that context. But um, 
Yeah, so other performances, we have the tour guide. I am your courier, Jolly Jimmy Johnson. All my friends call me Jolly Jimmy, and you are all my friends. Derek Royal um, yeah. playing the courier, Jolly Jimmy the courier. Yeah, so would we know him from things or...? Not really, no. not, especially not these days, particularly. There's no one in this massively that, that anyone would know now. Yeah. Other than probably from being in this. Oh, uh, yeah, which is fair So enough. someone like uh, Jolly Jimmy, played by Derek Royal, and he's sort of partner in crime, and this is the hostess, Wendy Winters, Miranda yeah. Forbes. Right. But none of these names are names that are particularly famous for acting on television or in films. Right. They're all done bits and pieces. So, like, Ivor Cutler's a, a poet and singer. That's he's not an actor. Buster Blood Vessel. Buster Blood Vessel. He's my favourite in it, because yeah. he's... That's... Ivor Cutler's an extraordinary performer. Yeah. But, yeah, no, Victor Spinetti's probably the most famous person yeah. in there. And he's only in it for one sketch. Yeah. Yeah, other than the Beatles themselves, obviously. So, well, yeah, yes. so yeah, so we've got the tour guide, we've got the hostess Wendy Winters, who you've spoke about, uh, Ringo's aunt, she was a... So that's Jessie, yeah, Jessie Robbins, playing Aunt Jessie, yeah. and you know, she's a, a force of nature, and some of the outtakes, there's like where she's playing drums and things like that, um, right. astonishing, but um, she, again, just yeah. more, she's cast because she's a fat lady, yeah. and they said that at the time, I'm not saying that to be... Yeah. needlessly rude about a body size it's a lot of this a lot of the Beatles casting for this was by their own admission and Paul says it on the director's commentary if you yeah. listen to it now they cast them because they were weird looking or they were cute looking yeah they yeah. cast lots of girls and found excuses to get them to take the tops off yeah yeah it's all a bit there's a bit of that isn't it goes on yeah um so there's no real like um it's hard to pull out any kind of particular performance um, notes on these guys because none of them really get very much. Ringo's aunt does a bit of the, um, a bit of heavy lifting with along with Ringo to, to kind of perform the threads of the plot that, that we yeah, get. Yeah, and she gets the sequences with um, Buster Blood yeah. as well with Ivor Cutler. Yeah, which is nice. So the scene on the beach with them again, it goes on about spooning around. The best thing about that is the um, music. <laughs> Um, yes. Is it All My Loving? Yeah. or It is. It's that lovely string, string arrangement of All yeah. My Loving. Um, but that was the sequence that the BBC wanted to cut out. Right. Why? And in fact, did cut out in its first first showing. Oh, really? Why? So despite the fact that the album had been out since the start of December, yeah. and I'm the Walrus had already received its BBC ban, right. they leave that in, but they, they, were, they cut out the sequence of Jesse and uh, Buster Blood Vessel sort of being romantic on a beach. Why? Why? I don't understand. Is that because it's Exactly. Too... Nobody understood. But they leave the strip a bit in. Yeah. I don't, I don't <laughs> leave have the strip. no idea what that, what thinking is going on there. That's Mad. weird. Um, and then, like say, Ivor Cutler playing Buster Blood Vessel. Um, very creepy, underplayed and subtly weird performance. I am your friendly courier. Mr. Blood Vessel is my name. Buster Blood Vessel. I am concerned for you to enjoy yourselves. 
within the limits of British decency. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if anyone's not listened to Ivor Cutler, go and look him up. You know, there's lots of albums out there. His radio plays will be available. People will have bootlegged them. He's very, very strange. And I think the film's worse off for not including the I'm going in a field sequence which is yeah. uh, uh, on the DVD and Blu-ray and stuff like that, which is him playing his harmonium, singing, I'm going in a field to lie down. <laughs> and <clears throat> I can normally do that with a better accent, but yeah, he's a genuine eccentric, but very, very creative, very beautiful use of language and, yeah. and sound in his, in his actual stuff. Okay. So it's fascinating to see him here playing a character yeah. That has some of those traits, but also has to do this strange, strict, sort of yeah. weird man thing. So he, I think he's he's the winner for me, really. Yeah, performance-wise, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah, that's that's um, yeah, there should be more of him. Um, so, but all in all, it's very hard to rate this again because no one gets very much individually to do from the Beatles, no. definitely, and the few main speaking case cast members do everything they need to okay but again there's just not really anything to get stuck into or to perform so it's just, no. I bet it was a strange gig for them um, so just for lack of content again and it's I'm just going to give it 50 for performances because yeah because it's, it's all it's hard to actually see the people who are paid performers hired hands you know that McCartney's got from the spotlight yeah. actors guide which is it's like the names that we've mentioned including people like Nat Jackley the rubber man and, and things like that because it's also fleshed out with all their friends and family right? who are there. So there's people like Neil Aspinall, you'll spot, and you obviously yeah. see Mal. Uh, Mike McCartney's there. Frida Kelly, who run, ran the, uh, the fan club. Yeah. Lives or lived in the same road that I am in now mm. in Liverpool. Frida Kelly's there. And Magic Alex, you know. Yeah. yeah isn't with his little moustache. And so there's a lot of, there's nothing happening, but there's also too many people to... Yeah figure anything out yeah so 50 for performances because um, i don't want to single anyone out as not doing anything right there's just not doing much of anything no. at, at all and that just leaves us with um the script <laughs> so this is this this will be a fun section as well um so there is a good chunk of script prior to the fool on the hill video which promises so much we've talked about this already it 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 starts off quite snappy and interesting, setting up the story, introducing us to characters, bringing in. And you've got you've got Lennon doing it as well, yeah. you know. And you know what Lennon's ability is like with words and language. Yeah. And he does a bit and of that, it, doesn't he, in that voiceover? Yeah. Uh, we meet Paul on a bus, chatting someone up, a model perhaps. The, you know, um, the glamorous Miss Winters and the mysterious Buster Blood Vessel are all there. But, you know, and you, you meet all these people very quickly and already you're thinking, oh, this is an unusual cast of characters going on an interesting journey. And that takes us up to about eight minutes in. And then it gets a lot more sporadic after that. Um, and various daft stuff happens until the 30-minute mark where we first meet the wizards over halfway through the film who go on about where the bus is and it being t 10 miles away from the, on the Dewsbury Road. And that, that's that for now, again, for script, because everything between that first eight minutes and that, that halfway point is just running around. Then there's more general madness, a one-liner about um, flattened Roman ruins. Um, and there's some good Buster B lines with being concerned... Uh, being concerned that you enjoy yourselves within the limits of British decency. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's a good line. Um, 
I like Aunt, the aunt's line with "Don't get historical," which obviously was a either an improvised line or whatever made it. Uh, yeah, sort of an outtake they've left in in a way, isn't it? Yeah, don't get historical. Then we have the wizards talking about the bus being ten miles away again. In the end, there isn't a script. I can't give any notes. I was normally at this point, I'd have pulled out different lines from different people so I can put in nice little snippets and we can pull out yeah. some of our quotables. But I mean, what quotables jump out at you from this? Well, there's the stuff, anything from Buster Blood Vessel. I like that my favourite line in the entire thing is in this spaghetti scene, which is, it's intake, Jesse, not output. Because right. it's so sort of sinister and strange. Yeah. And he's also, it knocks me sick when he's putting those handkerchiefs and they're getting covered in the in the food. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Um yeah, that's, that's my favourite line, really, because right. there's, not, there's not much else going yeah, there's on. Not, I, I like, um, good morning, Miss Winters, Miss Winters. Miss Winters, Miss Winters. Yeah, that's, that's good. Good morning, lads and lashes. My name is Miss Winters. Good morning, Miss Winters, Miss Winters, Miss Winters. Yes, well, I just wanted to say... Again, all in that... The, mag- the magic's starting to work, and it's just some people asleep on a bus. Yeah, oh. it's just that first. It is all in that first. I mean, they had obviously minutes. they got it planned because in the uh, in the album that comes with it or the double EP as it was at the time, there's a booklet with like the cartoon story of it. So there's kind of a novelization would be going a long way. Yeah, but there's a you know panel by panel cartoon, and I've got it in a nice big twelve inch version from when the reissued album. I think I've got it somewhere, yeah. and. Which is nice, this artwork by a chap called Bob Gibson, which also hints, again, as these things often do, at some missing sequences. Yeah. Uh, but it's, you know, the cartoons are probably more fun than the film. Yeah. There, there, there isn't a script as such. It very much feels like the entire project, that they started off with a good intention of a script. We'll start off and we'll have a voiceover and then Ringo will be seen going up this hill. And, but as soon as they hit that bus, it just... They just don't put the effort in. This is what yeah. annoys me. They were all perfectly capable of it, but the Beatles could be very, very lazy and assume that what they were doing was going to work, whatever yeah. happened, without realising how much stuff was done by other people. Yeah. I'm not suggesting that they were resting on their... You know, they were permanently resting on their coattails because nobody was making that music except them. Yeah. But it would, again, even with that, it doesn't matter how good I am, the walrus is, if you just sing it to yourself in your bedroom and that's the only place it exists. Yeah. It's, you, know, you need the facilitators yeah. and the correct facilitators, the people who can take that thing and and, and use it. Um, yeah. Ah, what's the word I'm looking for? They give you the catalyst to make yeah. it exceptional. Which, yeah. And this is where that doesn't work because they just sort of take, it for, take stuff for granted and it doesn't work. Yeah, and you can see... And it robs it robs us of their humour. We know they're funny people because we've seen the footage of them in the press conferences. We've heard yeah, them talking. They're just not. We know yeah. what they can do with a script as well. They can deliver a script in an interesting way. Well, they're just not in this enough. Their own film. It's too busy trying to pull anything together that that resembles a film. It very much has a feel to it, script wise and overall in general, of that first story circle he came up with. That first. If you were trying to pitch, if they were trying to pitch it to a room of people, and they said, oh, "We think it's going to have like a, a bus in it, and it's going to be like a, you know, like there's going to be bawdy stuff and some funny stuff and some surreal stuff, and there's going to be some videos, and then 
the if the production company if there had been one involved went yeah that sounds great we're, we're going to take everything you just said to us in that unstructured ramble and film it exactly like that and then put it out but as you know projects start with that unstructured ramble and spurt of ideas and get refined and this never happened it never got refined did it so no and if it had been refined they probably had some good elements we know they did because the songs are great and the magical mystery tour the album that comes out of this although it benefits massively from the singles that are pegged onto it in the american release even with the songs it's a really interesting musical time but even that falls kind of short of not being refined into a sergeanty peppery thing you know it didn't quite it's got the promise of of a sergeant pepper with that opening theme of magical mystery tour but it doesn't it doesn't materialize into one big coherent piece of work it's it's a, it's a collection of bits as is this so i'm giving the script 30 um so there we go song score then this is where it's going to do better probably yeah go on just, just get, give us the big numbers so we have let me just check I've got all this right and I'm being generous again because I'm putting in hello goodbye as well oh blimey just because it's, you get the um, you get the coder you get the coder of that at the very end but um, I thought well why not It's it, it needs some help so it's got I am the walrus uh, the fool on the hill hello goodbye magical mystery tour blue jay way and your your mother should know and flying ranking wise we have a top tenner in there we have we have I am the walrus at number three in my list yeah which gave it got an overall of 91 Right at the bottom, we have Flying with 33. That's suffered from the lack of lyrics. Um, That was at 195. But again, it's there under there in the instrumentals, and I do like it. And obviously, it's the theme tune to this this, um, podcast you're listening to right now. But um, yeah, generally, I mean, you've got high scorers here with The Fool on the Hill with 86.7, Hello Goodbye with 81.9, and Magical Mystery Tour itself with 72. So it's got a songs average of 69, which, um, just to give you some context, the songs average for Hard Day's Night was 53 and Help was 55. So this this towers above them with its songs, oh, oh, in yeah. my estimation. Yes, this is very much your Yeah, because tastes, I, I love it? this era, so it, it really works for me musically. Of bleak psychedelia. Yeah. So it got a song average of 69, which gives it, when combined with all these other scores, an overall of 49.8. And where do you think it puts that in in the chart, Paul? Where do you think it... it Higher than I expected, even after only having three things in it. (laughs) Yes. Well, I still imagined it to come out eighth out of three. (laughs) Well, no, it's it's quite rightly third out of three so far um, with 49.8. But yeah... I, I kind of like felt sorry for it, so I gave it more for production than it probably needed. But um, can I give you a little roundup of some contemporary newspaper things? Yes, please. From the period, so I've got some stuff from before it was made, as well as some actual reaction stuff. Now I could do this for hours because obviously yeah. <laughs> the reactions to it were quite a thing. I but I think what you do need to keep in mind with this as well, though, is people were already ready for the Beatles to fail at yeah, this point. Yeah, they're looking for because it. not necessarily just because it's like, haha, we'll get you stop being good at stuff, which does tend to be a bit of a british thing yeah like stop being so good that's just not the way stop yeah. it yeah stop it but what they had done is they started hooking up with the maharishi so a lot of the newspapers at the time when magical mystery tour is being prepped are on about the maharishi as well as the magical mystery tour yeah oh, okay you so know. they're just they're just 
and, and the clearly and the tone of that is is a bit yeah what they like, up to now what are they doing it's weird this you know mm. there's like beetles plan temple for yogi and it's it's like suggesting that they're going to pay for a big temple for the maharishi yeah. and then it just says but before they go to india they're going to make a uh, television film which will be shot on location in southwest england musical numbers will be filmed later it has been devised written and produced by the beetles for worldwide distribution well it didn't get worldwide distribution mm. then there's another one like from the, the washington post it's uh, the Beatles embark on another offbeat venture next week. The four pop idols will begin filming an hour-long color television program intended for worldwide broadcast during the Christmas season. If you were in America in the, reading the Washington Post, you're probably thinking, "Oh, Beatles for Christmas!" And then you didn't get it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Beatles have hired a bus and an old-fashioned coach and four. What well, they don't, we don't see a coach and four in it at all, which is I don't know where they got that from. Uh, and we'll ramble through southwest England, improvising as they go. And then it goes into the Maharishi again. Right. There's a, there's a thing from the Daily Mirror about how John decided to borrow a waiter's trousers for the scene he was doing. Hmm. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Waiter Philip... I, I feel like I've mentioned this before. Waiter Philip Scammell, yeah. 19, thought he was to get a part in the new film, but instead he stood by as John Lennon wore his trousers and ruined them. Yeah. That sounds it's just because it's, it's, it's got the last <laughs> the last paragraph is a spokesman for the Beatles said last night, quote, we appreciate that Mr. Scammell is entitled to claim for his trousers and he will be reimbursed. <laughs> so I like that. Uh, there's an article from the Sunday Times called Beatles Marking Time. And that's about the album Magical Mystery Tour. And it's, it's not particularly nice about it. Mm. But then we get into the post showing stuff like Beatles on TV baffle viewers is the headline from the Daily Mail uh, Mrs. Iris Inglis of Richmond Surrey said the Beatles show was ridiculous I tried hard to watch it but there was no beginning no end and no sequence only flashes of photographs <laughs> the only good thing was the strip tease and that was censored <laughs> so I, I love that comment from Mrs. Iris Inglis who's really annoyed with it that she didn't see it's somebody's uh, boobs see some boobies <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't what I was so, expecting. So much so that she wrote into the Daily Mail. <laughs> yeah. uh, a spokesman for the Beatles said, like anything else the Beatles do, there are ele elements about the film progressively different. And of course, what we do know is that McCartney ends up going straight onto yeah. like the Frost show to defend it. Yeah. Show was mistakes, says Beatles Paul. So a lot of the newspapers have just pulled out quotes from that. Yeah. And it's it's Paul talking about, you know, oh, maybe we should have made it like Frankie Frankie Howard and, and Bruce Forsyth and stuff like that. And he makes his quip about, yeah, uh, their stuff on ITV just wasn't funny and you could hardly call the Queen's speech a gasser. Um, so. Yeah, yeah it, it, I've seen clips of that. It's slightly awkward, isn't it, that, that interview, the whole justify yourselves you you why have you made something we don't like and i i, I don't think that's you know it's, it's it's fair it's fine for people not to like things i don't feel like he, he should have felt like he needed to go and but i mean he's, he's, he's concerned with that kind of thing isn't he he's, he's concerned yeah, very but like you can tell yeah. with the get back documentary he's concerned with how will this put us across and things and yeah absolutely will people get yeah. us will people get what we're going from and 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 also, even to this day, I imagine, and some of the f footage there is on the um, 
DVDs of him talking about it. Oh, he's he's on the defensive still. He's still he's still yeah. yeah. But and, and I think he's right in the sense they wanted to well, do. Which is fair enough. He he did something different. It's just it was a cathartic it, experience, and maybe it was what they needed to do. Where even though it wasn't necessarily what everybody wanted them to do. Yeah, uh, but yeah. yeah, these newspapers are full of letters. Yeah. So they get into the letter writing after a couple of days after it's been shown. Yeah. So like the Daily Mail having fun with this, of course. Mm. Miserable sods. Yeah. Uh, the BBC, so this is Neil Dewar from Fernwood Avenue, Streatham, writes in to say, the BBC are to be congratulated on showing Magical Mystery Tour. By doing so, they prove the Beatles to be what most discerning people always believe them to be. The biggest entertainment hoax of the century. Mm. The myth is ended. Oh. I was doing the thing with my glasses then as well. Yeah, <laughs> I could imagine... But then there's, a letter, there's letters like, the Beatles film on Boxing Day TV was, I thought, heavy going, but nonetheless I felt that it drew attention to the thoughtless and reckless living standards of many people in Western civilizations. <laughs> what? I didn't get that from it. <laughs> that and then, but, you know, you get someone writing in, a 17-year-old sort of writing in saying it was, you know, I suspect the reason that so many people disliked it was that it was disturbing after the commonplace, the, the complacent entertainment of pantomime, as in, you know, the stuff that you would have been watching before that. Yeah. The music was enchanting, the photography lyrical, and the humour funny. Yeah, I mean, it must have been mind-blowing for someone, a young, impressionable person, to kind of cut, catch this. Yeah. Which is you know, good. good. They, but but a the, ti- it's, it's just a tiny percentage of the audience they probably thought they were going to get. Yeah. And actually, funny. Or the BBC thought they were going to get anyway. Funnily enough, of all the ones that I've been watching for these episodes, um, my wife Hazel, like this is the one that nearly dropped drew her in because it's just like it's, she said it's kind of um, mesmerising as she decided yeah. whether she was going to go to bed and leave me to watch <laughs> on my own, and yeah. she didn't. She didn't eventually stay up. She did, go, but she'd watched it yeah, for longer than she would have done the other ones. Not that she just. Just like the Beatles, but she's just she's just not as interested in in this kind of side of everything. But she, she mm. was just she just was caught by what's so what what's this about? What's going on there? And it's like and this, the answer is like literally nothing really. It's just, but it is it at the time. Yeah, it must have captured some people's imaginations, and it's good to yeah. see it. I mean, it's yeah. there's so many letters, and there is lots of letters praising it as much as there is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a letter like, I have never seen such conceited nonsense and how this could be shown in the name of art, progress or anything else, I do not know. <laughs> Mrs. J.E. Willis, Hamford Close, Stofford, Yeovil, Somerset. P.S. I also didn't get to see any boobies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my sister and I watched the film and I thought it was most exciting and very good. We both think it was what the Beatles wanted it to be. Magical, certainly mystifying and nothing but thrilling all the way through. So, was, yeah. There's some people who'd like it, no matter what it was, as well. And there's, and there's a lovely, who, sorry, Gary. There's a, a lovely letter in the Daily Tele- Telegraph from the 30th from Mrs. Anne Lee Mitchell from Milverton, Somerset. Somerset folk are writing in in their yeah. droves. Uh, Sir, I am sorry that Mr. Norman Hare disliked Magical Mystery Tour. We are an elderly couple and had never seen or heard the Beatles. The film entranced us and was all too short. Oh. I thought it a clever blend of all too real life and pure magic. They achieved the atmosphere of a coach tour perfectly e.g. the surge of humanity from the coach at each stop, the sad, wet sands of the inevitable dead low tide on West Country beaches. <laughs> These and other points were cleverly heightened by the fantastic dream or nightmare sequences, also familiar to the coach tourer who has nodded off. Mm. And it goes on like that. And it's, it's, and it's, it's a beautiful letter, really. And just for, like an, an older couple who've sort of like, oh, well, we'll have a look what these Beatles are then. 
and really loving it. Oh, that's lovely. And and one of the things that might be solely lacking from my my understanding of it is these. I understand that these coach tour things existed, but I've never been on something like that. I've, I've, I, the nearest we'd get to it in our generation would have been booze crew booze trips to things like Blackpool or something like that. And that's just not something I've yeah, done. It's essentially that. So like, I I I know they they're out there. They've they've happened, but Sharabank it, trips. It's not. Um, it's not a side of culture that makes that I can. It doesn't trigger any. What's the word? Um, nostalgia, nostalgia in me. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't trigger that because it's. But if if you if you did, and when you think about the, the weird nostalgia of mother should know and things, it it yeah. it does. It is very nostalgia laden, given that essentially the two key elements for this are Ken Kesey's um, like druggy trip in America. Yeah. Which is a sort of contemporary hippie thing from just a couple of years before, but mainly, much more than it is the merry pranksters in America, it is seaside trips. Yeah. So Liverpool might be a coastal town, it might be a port, but it's not really a seaside no. place. So you'd get in a bus and it would take you up to Southport yeah. or it'd take you up to Blackpool. You'd have a crate of ale on it, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, I sound like I'm getting emotional. It's not it's just my bad throat. <laughs> Back <laughs> in the day. Excuse me. You... And I used to get up there yeah. and you'd get to Southport so you'd have your fish and you'd chips have, yeah. and then you'd have some more fish and chips and then you'd come home. <laughs> have another crate on the way home. And some winkles. Um, Why was I? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you lost me. <laughs> I was lost. Lost on the, You're saying about uh, on how the M6. It's, it's the, the mixture of the um, psychedelic drugs trip and going to the beach on a coach. Yeah, but it, mainly it's British nostalgia yeah. that that is not something that many of us now would would have. No, no. So it's it's remote for the modern viewer. Yes. So I guess a modern version would be things like going to Ibiza for your Spanish holidays type of thing. Yeah. Um, so. Um, or Benidorm, I meant to say, not Ibiza, although that would count as well. Uh, you go into Britain abroad type of thing and that kind of end of the pier stuff. But um, so I think we can summarise by saying, you know, it's an important, it, it, it is what it is because it's part it's part of the Beatles legend and it, in, it includes some extremely important music and um, and some imagery that will will live forever regardless of its overall success or received yeah. or, or imagined um so yeah so i'm i'm still glad to have had it and i'm, I, I'm glad it exists yeah. I, despite my sort of seeming grumpiness throughout this about it mm. i think that's mainly because with anything like this with the beatles it's it's like was this a lost opportunity to make something absolutely exceptional if they'd have just taken stock or trusted to their abilities more very possible very often they did things quickly rather than practice for instance yeah and then then sort of do things not as well as they could yeah a lot of get back is that yeah you know it's the shock of them having to practice and so they don't know what to do so they never stick with stuff and when they start sticking with stuff because they're not in the habit they start getting annoyed with each other the same with this it would have been too much effort for them to put in the actual effort needed yeah but it so it's lost opportunity that annoys me. Even as amateurs, non-write, non-writers, you could have just written something resembling a script for something that's only sixty minutes. You could have done that. They could have done it anyway. But we get to forty-nine point eight overall, putting it number third, three in the number oh, third, number third in the rankings behind Help and Hard Day's Night at number one. 
And next week, we again all being well, um, because we're right up against it with the recording and release of these, and it's not helping everyone getting ill, um, mm. is uh, going to be the Yellow Submarine. So, Yellow Submarine. So, different story altogether there. And yeah. another one I look very much forward to doing. So, we will see you all next week. Bye bye. Goodbye, Beatles, 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 <laughs> Beatles. And that was a magical mystery tour. I told you. Goodbye. <laughs>